0: look today at this first part of the text where John the Baptist is at the center of the stage. We see John here saying, he must become greater. I must become less. Or in the older translation, he must increase. I must decrease. We hear that and we wonder who in their right mind would say that. Because our culture tells us, and, and what it seems to be inbuilt in us, that we should always want more. We're supposed to constantly compare ourselves with the people around us. We feel that as an imperative. We're supposed to ask, who has the bigger house? Who has the nicer house? Who has the newest, fanciest car or truck? Who has the best job? Who has the biggest salary? Who has the biggest muscles? the prettiest face whose work is the most successful whose church is attracting the biggest crowds And we find if we don't ask these questions for ourselves we have friends that will come and help us out that's what John has to deal with here John's out in the wilderness he's, he's baptizing he, he's doing the work of John the Baptist he's doing what God had called him to do Jesus himself had spoken of how great John was. None greater has arisen. John is a man of God doing the work of God. It's at this point that some experts in the art of comparison come along to help him. Or maybe we should call them experts in instigating envy or experts in stimulating depression. These people come to put John in his place. Maybe they're some of the people that had rejected John's message all the way along. Maybe there are some of the people coming out to gloat, Hey, John, we knew you couldn't hold on to the crowds. We knew somebody else would come along with a better show. Or maybe they're the ones that, that said, John, you have such a nasty, negative message. All you say all day long is repent. Who wants to hear Repent. You'll never get crowds that way. You need to be more positive, John. Do y'all have anybody in your life that does that for you today? Somebody that speaks into your life and tries to make you envy others? Somebody that tries to get you to compare yourself to others so that you'll be angry at them or, or depressed about yourself? Or maybe you just have voices in your head that do that for you. I know I've heard some of those voices. How come those other churches are bigger than yours? How come what you're doing doesn't work? Now, if John the Baptist had paid attention to these people that had come out to challenge him, just imagine what he himself could have added When he compared himself to Jesus, John could have said, well, I'm older than Jesus. He could have said, I've been in the business longer than Jesus. I have a longer tenure. I have more experience. John could have said, oh, that Jesus fellow, he came to me to be baptized. Surely that tells you something. I was the teacher. He was the mere student. Or if he wanted to really get down in the gutter, he could have said, my birth was legitimate. His birth, have you heard what people are saying about his birth? But John never does that. John could have said, "I'm, I'm I'm the son of a priest. I was raised in Judea, right in the temple courts. He's a what? A carpenter from some hick town in Galilee? John could have done all that, but he didn't do that. John said, he must become greater, I must become less. He must increase, I must decrease. When we listen to John, we hear no resentment. We see no envy. We see him not playing the comparison game. Why not? How did he avoid that? Well, I see two things. First, John knew who he was, and second, he knew who Jesus was. As to himself, John knew that he was called to be a voice in the wilderness, a voice in the desert, a voice in the lonely places, calling people to repent. He knew that he was called to be the one who prepared the way of the Lord. He knew that he was not worthy to bow down and untie the shoelaces Of the one who was coming. If we read John's testimony here in John, in Luke, in Mark, in Matthew, we see over and over again that John is absolutely clear that he is not the Messiah. He is not the one that they're waiting for, but he is the herald of one who is coming. It's absolutely clear. As to Jesus' identity, Well, John probably knew less than we do. We have the advantage of time. We have the advantage of perspective. We have the advantage of the whole New Testament. How much of the New Testament did John the Baptist have to read? None of it. We know that Jesus is the son of God. We know that Jesus is God incarnate. God become one of us to live among us. We know that Jesus is the savior of the world. John probably had only the barest inklings of these things. John did know that somehow in Jesus, God was coming on the scene. John knew that the Holy Spirit would be poured out by this Jesus who was coming after him. John knew that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel, that Jesus was the climax of God's covenant with his people. Because John knew who he was and he knew enough of who Jesus was that John could say, He must be greater, I must be less, He must increase, I must decrease. John knew that, but it doesn't mean it was easy. It was change, major change for him, and change is hard. John was grieving the decline of his ministry, a good and God-blessed ministry. If we have change like John was experiencing, a change of decreasing, that's hard. We might ask ourselves, how could things have gone differently? How can we go on from here? But if we have change like Jesus and his team are experiencing, the change of increasing, that's also hard. Man, there's new people coming out. Jesus starts with just a few, but more people keep coming in. And they become leaders, and we complain. Well, they complain. Maybe the thought crossed their mind they haven't been here as long as I have. They haven't worked as hard as I have. They don't have my experience. They don't have my tenure. They don't have my wisdom. And then as more people started joining the Jesus group there, they started doing some new things. And the people that had been there said, this change is hard. What was wrong with the old ways? They were tried and true. If they were good enough 20, 30, 40 years ago, why aren't they still good enough? They might have also experienced the change of stopping doing some of the things they loved. Why do we have to stop doing the things that give us comfort, the things that give us meaning? Why do they have to take resources away from what we've always done? Change is hard, whether you're increasing or decreasing. The difficulty of change is illustrated elsewhere in the Bible. We look at an Old Testament story. Think of the transition from Moses to Joshua. It wasn't just that Moses was getting old. Joshua was a better leader. It wasn't just that Moses was retiring to go live at his lake house and Joshua was taken over. It wasn't just that Moses was taking a new appointment at a new church and Joshua was succeeding him. Moses was dead. The people were grieving for Moses. Joshua, who had worked closely with Moses for the whole time of the Exodus, 40 years Joshua may have been grieving the most. Joshua felt the loss of Moses deeply. The people that he was leading, they didn't know anything but the leadership of Moses. Doing things the Moses way, well, that's the way we'd always done them. Change was hard. The word of the Lord to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2 was, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. If we look at this story of the transition from Moses to Joshua, I see the same two factors I saw in John the Baptist, the factors that he leaned on. There's no denial of the reality for Joshua that Moses is dead. But Joshua could remember Who he was. He could remember that God had called him and equipped him. He could remember that the mission hadn't changed since he'd served under Moses' leadership. The context had changed. They were about to enter the land. But the mission was the same. And though they had grief over the loss of Moses, and that grief was real, the mission remained the same. Joshua knew who he was. But Joshua also knew who God was. He knew that the mission was based on God's call, not just Moses' ideas or Joshua's ideas, not based on the desires of the people, based on what God had called them to. Joshua, like Moses, had the promise and presence of God to rely on. Joshua had experienced God's faithfulness, and he knew God would see them through. Now Joshua was on the increase side. It was a major change for him though and it wasn't easy. How are you handling change today? Whether you're in a situation that you're primarily experiencing growing or becoming less, increasing or decreasing, there's plenty of change all the time. Are you at a place in your life today that when the voices of comparison come your way, that you can say no to envy, that you can say no to depression, that you can say no to resentment? Can you maybe even come to the place where you say no to the whole game of comparison that the world wants us to play? The world leads us to believe that all we're doing is standing up for ourselves, We're fighting for our just desserts. Never tells us that playing the comparison game implants a bitterness in our hearts and our souls that leads to death. Some of you may be wondering, okay, when times are tough, when things are going against me, am I just supposed to roll over and let people do what they want? Well, we do have some challenges in that regard. We do have the unfortunate teaching of Jesus about turning the other cheek. Have have you all heard that? Jesus said, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, blast them upside the head before they can strike the other, right? Is that what he said? No. I mean, Jesus said, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn and let them strike your other cheek. Or we, we have the unfortunate teaching of Jesus that although he's the son of God, God incarnate living among us, he came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The world says, put yourself in a place where you are served, where people recognize who you are and your greatness and they give you what you deserve. And we look at Jesus. We see the rest of his story. His story of increasing, his story of growing that increased to the point that he was nailed to a cross to die for our sins and the sins of the world. Could all of this be an illustration of what Jesus said when he said, to whom much is given, much is expected? The message today is, is not when the comparison game starts, just roll over, be a doormat. The message today is know who you are. Know who Jesus is. Know where you stand with him. Be in a place where you can trust Him to lead you to the best place. Now, it it might not be best in terms of the way the world measures things. It might be that Jesus takes you to the place that's best for you and you don't have the biggest house. It might be that you don't have the highest pay. It might be that you don't have the most prestige. It might be that you don't amass honor, fame, and glory. It might even be that when Jesus exalts you, when Jesus lifts you up, that he does it in a way that the world doesn't even recognize as being lifted up. But yet, because Jesus loves you, it's a place that's truly good for you. A place of blessing. So what do you do when the urge to play the comparison game comes your way? Will you give it to Jesus? Will you say, Jesus, I'm facing this temptation. I'm hearing these voices from outside, from inside. Help me to give that to you. Will you try giving your worrying, your anxiety to him? Jesus, I'm I'm worrying about this. I don't know how to go on. I don't know what to do. Can you just give that to him? Can you lean into your calling, knowing what Jesus has called you to do, to be a part of? And say, Jesus, you called me. I don't know how to do it. So you're going to have to take the lead here. And finally, will you be able to entrust your life, your future, your well being to Him? He loves you, He died for you, He offers you His Spirit. You can trust Him. Let's pray. Father, we all experience change. We know how difficult it is. We know sometimes the change is awesome. Sometimes it only leads us to great things, but even then it's hard. And Sometimes, Lord, change is, we feel like it's inflicted on us. We don't want it. We don't like it. We resist it. But today, Lord, help us to remember who we are. And help us remember who you are. Dispel the fog, the fog that comes from envy, the fog that, that comes from discontentment, the fog that corrupts our hearts and leaves us broken and bitter. Fill us instead with the joy that comes from knowing you and knowing you love us. Amen.